tuned in to the best damn podcast in the gaming industry trademark 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 let's go baby the noticeable pause in between episode and the number was because i needed a moment to remember because i forgot (laughs) that's not true anyway yes uh as you all know, because everyone here is already a longtime listener, and to those who aren't familiar, this is the second to last episode of season two. Next week's our finale. We have nothing particularly exciting planned, but we might do a mailbag. So, uh, viewers, listeners, viewers, I guess we don't have, but listeners, I suppose, send us questions, anything you have, ideas for the show, and we'll just send a segment going through it. So, on that note, let's uh, let's, let's slide right casually into that's right the plug walk. Let's start off with those socials where you can hit us up with said questions and suggestions. At people like games is a Twitter handle. At Lilo PLG is Lilo's. I don't have one, so don't at me. What's up? But no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I just hit me up the the regulars at people like games, and I shall respond. And then I suppose I should start my own account. And then. You can also find this show over on a whole bunch of other channels, Spotify, Google Play, or Google Podcasts, I suppose. I don't know what the deal really is with them. Uh, True. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, basically everywhere, and soon to be Tidal. And uh, also, our very vibrant, yet maybe not thoroughly populated with content subreddit, our backslash people like games we're working on it we would love some suggestions as well which we're going to put up a post alongside uh or you know in addition to this week's episode post and so you know we'll use that as an ongoing thread for the week and so again hit us up let's do something fun or interesting for the finale but i'm getting tired of talking so i'm gonna kick it over to Lilo for the talk all right the talk is the table of contents and thank you for that wonderfully succinct intro solo <laughs> i'm going to try to keep up <laughs> but uh in our table of contents we're just going to run down what to expect for this particular episode we're going to start out with our quick scope and that is where we give you the overarching scope of the industry that we saw for this past week as we did a research Moving on from the quick scope, we'll go on to a solo rant where solo picks a topic of his choosing and enjoys just letting you know how he feels about it. Normally, it's pretty informed, so stay tuned for that. Follow that up with a game spotlight this week. Uh, it's two for two. Did it last week. Doing it again this week at fans' requests. But this particular week is not really one particular game. It's more of a series, and that is going to be Final Fantasy, but on mobile because Sol and I downloaded some special games. And we're going to wrap this shit up with what we talked about last week, and that is our final lap topic. It's where we go at length on an idea and sort of ruminate, banter, think about the future for this particular topic, and that is Sony's thinking and their presence that's going to be missed at E3 in 2019. So Banter! Yes. Without further ado, let's roll in to the beginning of the quick soap, and we're going to start out with our feelings about our if you don't know Sol and i are avid gaming fans and that should be obvious by the fucking podcast that we're hosting but i'm lukewarm we've realized (laughs) that uh we haven't done a whole bunch of gaming together in recent months and so we both decided to pick up paladins on switch it's free if you have a switch fucking download it it's great it is overwatch light it's like solo said last week rc cola no sorry not rc cola it's like coke uh, it, yeah coke. I, I, I wouldn't diet disrespect coke, paladins coke. like that it's, it, it's diet overwatch and it does make me wonder why overwatch has not 
Yep. Dedicated itself to releasing a Blizzard port. I feel like it would do them well. Hey, I'm sure it will, especially after the Diablo thing. But uh, regardless, me and him have been dominating, and I've actually been pretty impressed with our performance. It's fucking fun. We have more more thoughts on this in the future but uh it's been fun to play together and i would say that playing together and having fun really helps uh our teamwork our camaraderie as we move forward on this podcast and shit like that it's, it's a lot of fun separately we've both downloaded warframe which is now free on the swish i think it's free for one day only and that is eleven nineteen. so if you're one of the unfortunate ones to be listening to the podcast day of you might have missed it but I could have my facts wrong, so be sure to check that shit out. And if you heard a whole bunch of rumblings, that's uh, Solo having technical difficulties that he just took care of while I did my ramble. Solo, how do you feel about Paladins and our domination? Uh, you users, uh, you consumers shall hear nothing at all because <laughs> I'm a beautiful editor of sound and audio kind of sometimes and sometimes it's just awful and it's completely off so my bad about that listeners but anyway um i think paladin is cool i think that uh you know as we'll get into it in a little bit uh i'll say I'll, I'll say my thoughts it's a fun game i do feel like it's missing a little something and that it could necessarily use a slightly refined a slight refinement and it would be a very popular game and so it has the makings i'll get into that later but anyway it's fun um i don't know how much warframe costs but i did just go and delete basically everything on my switch and download it there you go even though i just ordered one so i'll just re-download that shit later anyway i don't have much to add on it i enjoy it it's cool and I'm good at it, so I enjoy it even more. <laughs> you, you heard it here. He is good at a game. It is it, it is a little bit easier with the controller because that's what we're being used to with first-person shooters for sure. So we'll make so. a move. Shout out to Lilo. Yeah, there you go. Making moves, training him slowly, everybody. Don't you worry. Um, we have more feelings, and we have feelings about our first quick scope article, and that is the reveal of the first pictures from the new Monster Hunter movie coming out. Gets its official set images and story synopsis. Um, if you don't know, we have a Monster Hunter movie that is starring Mila Jovovich and Natalie, sorry, as Natalie Artemis, who is going to be the film's heroine. And then <laughs> the uh, male Her counterpart on. is actually Tony Jaa. Tony Jaa is a world famous, renowned actor coming from, I think it's Thailand, but he is a nasty martial artist and he has a series, a couple of movie series as is on his own. I can't even speak right now, but that's a fine. Um, I do want to read the synopsis really fast and it's actually fucking hilarious. So it's something I think you'd appreciate. It starts out with, behind our world, there is another world, a dangerous and powerful monsters with dangerous and powerful monsters that rule their domain with deadly ferocity. When Lieutenant Artemis and her loyal soldiers are transported from our world to the new world, the unflappable Lieutenant receives the shock of her life. In her desperate battle for survival against enormous enemies with incredible powers and unstoppable revolting attacks, Artemis will team up with a mysterious man who has found a way to fight back. I don't even know why they use unflappable, but I guess it's just to show that Mila Jovovich is apparently supposed to be this badass woman who she played in Resident Evil, but whatever the case is. Dumb. I'm sorry. I just want to say it's dumb. It looks so campy. I'm probably going to see it. I've seen all of the fucking movie hero, or sorry, video game movies, including Assassin's Creed, including everything else. It's just, I got to do it. What do you think? I'm embarrassed for you for having watched those movies. And thank you, thank you. for myself for knowing someone who has... As uh, did you at least not per- did you purchase anything? Did you purchase mm-hmm. access? Okay, I mean, like I bought a ticket to go see the well, movie, no. but uh... well, that's already okay. Now I am I reestablished said embarrassment. Anyway, <laughs> I if you go back to our older episodes when we covered the fact that they were making the movie, said it was going to suck, and I stand by that. And the picks did nothing but confirm. But I had already figured, which is, it's going to suck. And Hopefully the graphics are great. That's what I'm hoping for. Like, they do some cool animations, 
with the action and i'd be happy that kind of thing just get that's Guillermo del Toro. Uh, yeah pretty much if they ha- throw some kaiju in there because that's essentially what they are i'm fucking fine with that just give him bioshock and <laughs> please some and some movie company please consider the ip that you're trying to convert nice. i have nothing further to say about that because even yeah i have nothing to say anyway on to our next story that is actually sort of tied into our uh, little opening banter segment uh and that was the uh game warframe which is out for free and just arriving on switch today mm-hmm. and the story is it saw a major spike in viewership uh this past week and that is not really an exaggerated term its average viewership went from almost 20k or 2030k on november 7th to a peak of 2.3 million and sort of averaged oh, out to like one and a half that's million. a fucking spike holy spike. shit and that was due to the fact that they ran a little promotion that for every hour that a user watched, they were given a free in-game item or items in basically a free drop. And so it's like a, a little box Damn. of crate, okay. et cetera. You get the point. And it's funny because uh, we over here at PLG have believe for quite a bit that it is a very smart strategy to offer in-game items to for sure uh to to viewers and if you're not familiar overwatch was the first game that ended up doing this for their league so the overwatch league for the start of season two introduced this concept where it would give you free tokens for watching and those tokens would be able to be used to purchase league uh overwatch league themed uh skins in the in the game Mm -hmm. it was all right not the greatest then sledgehammer did it for world war ii uh that's call of duty league uh free in-game items they also saw a spike it always sees a uh you know a following drop if you will in in views again after the 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 promotions end i'm curious to see uh but it's smart it's something a lot of games should do and it might be short-term spice but it will find you a lot of new people who might have otherwise not what are your thoughts I mean, exposure, like you were saying, it just makes sense. It's a natural thing to do. Plus, if you give people free shit, they will come. And that's in any instance, in any action. If if you offer free tickets to a concert, people are going to show up. If you offer free tickets or sorry, free food at a store, they will show up. If you for, offer free in-game items, people will watch Twitch. And if you think about it, it's like you can play Warframe on the computer while simultaneously opening your Twitch and streaming somebody. So it's like easy to get a two for one to double dip. You don't need to be there to actively watch it. You can just have it up, which is one of the benefits of streaming in-game items and that sort of kind of stuff. Overall, it just makes sense. And yeah, hopefully it's something that uh, we can leverage in the future. If you're talking about leveraging multiple consoles and simultaneous play and watching, what's pretty cool is that those guys over at high res are actually talking about crossplay and crossplay coming to smite paladins and realm royale so at the high res expo the developer announced they're going to bring crossplay to three of the most popular hits in this new year and those include like i just said smite paladins and realm royale Realm Royale is their Battle Royale version. Uh, Paladins is, like I said, Overwatch. And then Smite is like a first-person League of Legends, which you could also say that uh, that's where Paragon came in, and that's what Epic had, but uh, Paragon is no longer there. RIP. RIP Paragon. But long and short of it, crossplay. Sol and I are dominating on the Switch. This actually makes me really fearful it's cool if you play it, but we're going to get dominated because people will have better controllers and they'll just be better. Mouse and keyboard stuff. Super too. facts. It's going to suck. So I'm sad. I'm actually like a little, a little sad, but it's going to be okay. Whatever. We got Warframe now. 
<laughs> we got Warframe now, and they did say explicitly no crossplay yet. So I'm down with that. Down with that. We're there free for like two weeks until they introduce yeah. it. <laughs> yep. But speaking of, uh, well, I think uh, crossplay is a great idea. Uh, free to play and crossplay is sort of what a lot of, I guess, companies are thinking is the sort of secret ingredients to a viral hit sort of in Fortnite style. Hashtag Fortnite. Hashtag changing the game. Yeah. Hashtag changing the game. And uh, it's not going to work. Um, but it, it might, if they, they add a little bit, I think it's, they have three really interesting games. You know, we've covered that they split it into three separate studios as well that were, you know, yep. handling each of the games. Yep, yep, yep. You know, over time, there, there, there's a potential for a good transformation. So, I guess we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll, we're going to follow up into it because we're playing it. And so, we'll be curious. But, you know, I'm going to actually latch on to uh, a little phrase of Lilo's and uh, use that to take it to our next story. And that is League of Legends. And the reason for that is actually pretty major. Lilo did not think this a major story, but I, I thought it was a little important. Uh, and that is Riot is rebranding the EU LCS. So the European League Championship Series is now going to be called the League of Legends European Championship. It's a full rebrand, uh, new logo, all that nonsense. Uh, Ten of the uh, teams that were competing in the EU LCS are reconfirmed for uh, the following season, uh, having to pay and retain their spots for 80 million euro fee. And then there's a couple of teams that are entering, I believe three, four, and they are paying 12 million to enter. That's XL Esports, Origin, SK Gaming, and Rogue. Pretty interesting. Only because I expect to see a, a simultaneous rebrand of the North American League as well. And it's definitely going won't be LCS to be, anymore. Yeah, definitely not going to be LCS anymore. And but they call it the Lek. What the fuck is a Lek? Just LCS kind of, to me, flowed off the tongue. And that like, oh, League Championship Series. I get that. Yeah, EU LCS. Well, NA the LCS. LA- it, what's interesting is that the redesign for the the logo and the branding was done by Design Studio, and they are a little comp- a little known studio that has done work for creating the current English Premier League logo and the brand around the UEFA Champions League. So, uh, you know, they they they've had corruption. a few small time projects. I'm just and- saying corruption. That's a, that's what I'm smelling right now. Again, the sports, fucking anything to do with FIFA or soccer, just smells of corruption. Anything that has a pay to enter structure is going to be corrupt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. without a doubt. There's, so there's no doubt in my mind that the same oh, shit man. we're dealing with with FIFA is going on with all of the people that are involved with uh, facilitating what teams are going to be able to enter the league. And yep. Yep, business yep, is yep. business, though. So shout out, shout out, Riot. Why don't you wine and dine us, and so we we could talk well. Tencent, hit me we'll with the coins. We'll coin season, <laughs> coin season. No rebrand. Oh man, I like it. All right, I'm at the um, coin anyway. But yeah, that's all I got. I don't play the game. I downloaded like Arena of Valor, played for like two seconds, and then I deleted it to make space for Warframe. Good call. That's all a good I got. call. I like it. Um, yeah, let's let's roll into another topic that's kind of dumb, and that is day one patches. And this is not something I need to speak to at length, but something that everyone might find funny. If you didn't know, Fallout 76 dropped this past two weeks, this past week really, rather. And uh, Fallout 76 is an online multiplayer. It's essentially Fallout 4 from what I've been told and what I've read just playing with other people online. And they have already dropped a 50 gigabyte patch. And to me, that's just absurd. I bring it up because Solo was ranting about how Call of Duty Black Ops had an, a, game, a patch the size of the game when uh, it first got released. So that's that. And then it's just been the history since we've 
been getting bigger and better games on these next gen consoles that we've been using a ps4 and xbox one specifically like you just been getting day zero one patches, complimentary increase in the amount of storage available in said fucking consoles yeah it's just about stability it's about fixing bugs it's about doing all that stuff it shows how it's almost like they say the game is finished when they release it but they really mean the game's like 80 percent it's 80% done, and then we realize we can tweak it in this many ways afterwards when we have time and there's no pressure. That Shout fucking out to grind Black Ops for real. exploitative business models. It's just, it's just, it's it's so dumb. So, uh, if you're one of the unfortunate ones who plays it, you have a 50 gigabyte patch waiting for you. Good yeah, luck. So, why'd you buy it is the real question. <laughs> but anyway. They, hey, they make good games. Just saying. They definitely do. They but. used to. But... Fallout 76 is not amongst them. Anywho, let's move on to a company that is making super interesting moves and who I am uh, uh, leaning pretty heavily uh, you know, on, on their side now. Um, oh, my you know, God. I've been a Microsoft fanboy forever. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, no. You know, I, I said it before. It, it was a turnaround in the last couple of months where they happened to find a strategy. Anyway, Microsoft is rumored i guess we should have you know brought back that rumor mail for this let me hit that sound cue actually no i'm gonna pause on that because we'll bring that in proper next week but uh they are potentially going to be releasing a digital only version of the xbox that would be supposedly under 200 dollars. i don't think they'll likely end up getting that done by the end of the year but if they do it is an interesting step towards what they're trying to do it's project smart. scarlet yeah it's like the it, same it, idea it's a, it's a preface gonna yeah. it's gonna you be get a the market used to what a, a a non-physical version of gaming would be like mm-hmm. and they are also potentially going to be doing a disk to digital uh trading program that's the genius part that's the that's smart part about this part. deal and so, if you have the digital game, or rather the physical game, you can trade it in at certain places, or at least that's the rumor. I think that yeah. is very, very smart move, especially very for someone like move. us. We only have physical copies, and if we wanted to use this device, like, I'm not going to fucking buy the it's, game again. It's a, it's a little monopolistic because it monopolistic. does monopolistic. I'm going monopolistic because <laughs> it's not monopolistic because it, it 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 sort of in a side way kills the secondary market you know it's like you just get the digital version you don't need the game anymore it's like but i already have the game so like don't i already it's like when you get them when you buy a like a dvd you know don't you get the physical and a digital copy of it yeah that's true why why shouldn't you do that for gaming too but they should already know what games you have but the problem is they only want to give you a digital license because you could share the CDs. So I could take the CDs that you have and turn them in for my own benefit. And then like, yeah, they yeah. want a physical copy so they can only give one digital license. If that yeah, makes sense. Exactly. And I get that. I, I get, get it. it. But just, like, that's what I mean. It, 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 it reeks. And, um, you know, it, it just, get, it gets too much concentrated power away from the consumer. But, Shit, what do I care? It does not look like the consumer is very self-interested these days uh, if their purchasing habits are any example of that because, you know, the more people buy, the less people or companies feel to change exploitative sort of business models, you know, and so... That's what we always say, but then they've learned how to get in your psyche, psychology, dopamine, addiction, all that. They got us good, bro. We're part of the problem. Physical no. till I die. <laughs> Physical till you die. Uh, if you want to talk about exploitative, we've got another group that is apparently being called out for having exploitative and um, vulture-like practices, if you would. So vulturistic. This would be vulturistic. Voltronistic. Vulturistic. I like it. I don't it. know if that's a word. Producer? Uh, vulturistic, I think, is a word. Just but kidding. let's move on. Valve is currently under fire for its greedy, quote-unquote, artifact monetization system. And what we're talking about is 
you know, recently in the game world, EA's Battlefront 2 got the headlines for exploitative models. We ragged on Harry Potter World for just absolutely murdering little kids and taking all their money because you had to pay for energy after one quest and you couldn't progress at all unless you paid. Same thing with Call of Duty, paying to get these guns and doing all this stuff. These are exploitative models. Well, Valve's game Artifact is a card and deck building game that they are selling for 20 bucks, but it's $20 for a starter set of cards. And the only way to collect more cards is to physically, or sorry, is to buy them with real money. So the whole, the whole basis of the game is based off of real life card games and physical card games. And that is just like, if you ever play magic or if you play Pokemon or anything like that, the only way to get better cards is to buy packs. And that's what they're trying to do digitally. However, They've been getting shit on and so much flack. And if you're wondering why Artifact and the game itself might sound familiar, well, Solo and I covered this back in episode 38. Uh, sorry, I completely lied to you. In episode 52. <laughs> in episode 52. Hey, we covered something in 38. I was looking at the wrong thing. I digress. But in episode 52, we talked about how Artifact was getting flack because one of their cards was about Crack the Whip. Oh, yo, I remember that And Crack the Whip was used when you had black heroes on. (laughs) It was a black card, therefore it could only be used with other black cards, which were black heroes. And so you do Crack the Whip on black heroes. They got a lot of flack, so they changed it to uh, Cooperated Assault or some shit like that and whatever. But... Long story short, people are unhappy. I think, I guess, in their minds, they're rectifying, hey, this is just a game in general, and if this is the model in the real life, why can't it be the model in digital life? But people are like, nah, in digital life, I want to be able to do whatever the fuck I want. So it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Um, I don't know. I'm, I understand their thought process for trying to model uh, the card game, but I also understand fans' reactions. I'm just not going to pay for it. I'm not going to buy the game. So there is that. Mm, yeah. Um, but Vulturistic. that, that yeah. Vulturistic. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's tough because, you know, some, some real world practices end up being able to translate. But I guess the difference is the way, I don't know. I, I it, it's It's rough because it is... If you wanted to get new Pokemon cards, the only way to get them was to buy them. Yep. There's no way to trade them. Like you should be able to trade. Like I, I thought about that. You know, you can't trade way. the game right now, unfortunately. See, exactly. So if you're going to restrict trading for cards, and therefore the only way is to push them to buy, yeah, that that that's illegal shit. There, there should be second. The gaming market will be more legislated and policed in the coming years, so that type of shit's not going to really fly anymore, or at least not soon. But we'll follow up. Uh, that's that's likely to change. Um, but what can you do? Uh, this is a pretty not thoroughly uplifting episode, but sorry, the guys. stories do get better on the on, on the other side. But they do, they do. Just We're going to continue that trend before everything gets better. And that is uh, now the, and this is actually a very important story, and that is the H1Z1 League, League is shuttering. And I know, I know it's pretty quick. Uh, it basically launched, I believe, uh, last July and was scheduled to be able to be part of, you know, or was one of the first games to be uh, a recipient of this sort of major rush of esports money that has occurred. Uh, it was bought by a LA-based billionaire, Patrick uh, Soon Singh, and he ended up buying the whole company, etc. Wanted to launch a league, and it failed. <laughs> <laughs> the, not good. Not good at all, to say the least. Uh, it debuted to about 50K viewers in April and then dipped down to an average of 2K um, over all platforms. And Oof. yeah, and it 
sort of had some of the biggest names in gaming there as well. You know, funny enough, a, a, a little known streamer, Ninja, was was starting was started. You know, he started off as an H one Z one pro, and then ended up shifting over to over uh, to start off as Halo pro first, well, but then he went over to H one Z one. But then yeah. after Halo, when he was doing his streaming career, he I moved to H one Z one, or at least. In, in the more recent times. And so, a uh, little bit of a shame. What's curious was that uh, the teams were part of a, a very interesting structure and, and sort of represents how the, the example of how too much money uh, in an industry at once could potentially lead to a bubble because a lot of these initial companies that end up getting investments that are worth their value and are going to become established in the industry and become profitable, et cetera, are then followed by a rash of sort of copycats in in similar industry, uh, similar areas that aren't as good and that then end up driving up the amount or value that it will cost to invest in a company. And then slowly a lot of those companies fail and you know what you call that you call that the bubble bursting because the value for something becomes overinflated because a lot of the companies that shouldn't have gotten money do get money because everyone wants to get in on the gold rush and then everyone fails and so h1z1 was promising teams 400k for entry into the league the fuck are you paying 400k for to 13, like 15 different teams, 200K, $3 million to these teams. And their viewership was so bad that they literally had to cancel the second split or the second half of their inaugural season and then wrap up the entire league. It just, it, it, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, the same, it, and it's going to be, you know, sort of hopefully, you know, this is just the, the, the only cautionary tale early on. Of, right, right, you know, right. of companies hey, trying to stage. set up. It's the example. Yeah, you know, of like, you know, and now they owe that money. How they're going to pay that money, I don't know. Everyone's trying to duck responsibility. I am going to follow up uh, with, with a longer segment uh, about that. But um, hopefully uh, the players end up getting their payment for their time. That That's is also a question we're going to follow up on and yep, to see that's who loses when something like this happens yeah. it's and those so, players who invested the time and effort thinking it was gonna it's gonna work out exactly. who promised things and then exactly. did not get them a so. lot of promises have been shattered by the uh the uh the folding of this league so it's unfortunate not a lot to go out or to to say i told you so is in there just uh just a mess and uh you know the the first uh, example of a uh, of a bubble burst of the Fair. battle royale scene. Well, we'll see if this same bubble bursts across other forms of esports. And I bring this up because our next topic is relatively positive comparatively to the prior articles in the episode. Uh, I just want to let you know that play VS has officially announced the successful closure of their Series B funding, which, in which they've raised $30.5 million. And what the fuck is PlayVS and why do you care? Well, PlayVS is actually a platform that is trying to host high school esports across the nation. So the first, rather the second, Series B round of funding was led by Elysian Park Ventures, which is the private investment arm of the Los Angeles Dodgers owner's company. Yes, I'm talking monetary means in esports. Interesting, because normally Solo takes these topics. But this was fucking sweet because not only the Dodgers are interested, but five other existing investors raised more money, plus 10 new groups such as Adidas and Samsung Next. Um, they added more games to what this high school esports league will be, or well, rather will play. They started with Riot, and they're playing League of Legends, right? And then they also included Psyonix Rocket League and high reses smite so those are the three games that are going to be debuted across the nation play vs is expanding beyond its five early access states of connecticut georgia kentucky massachusetts and rhode island to high schools in alabama mississippi and parts of texas it's kind of interesting the midwest is like 
blowing up with esports. And I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's kind of funny. But uh, just to give you a rundown of what you know, Play VS actually is. This is directly from their website. How our league works. They say first you find a coach. Your schools will have to approve the program, and they get to select the coaches. The IT administrators in the school district make sure your tech is ready to go and you have the computer set up with all the games that you need. You're going to build a team. They help you um, build teams that the coaches will then coach and they represent all the same school. There are no cuts allowed and the teams are all going to be co-ed. So that's pretty cool. It's going to be like another high school sport is what it seems like. You have to compete together. Each team will play on campus and compete with other schools in the state. No travel required which makes sense to me because it's all digital and all network. So you can not go anywhere, which is so convenient when Sol and I had to take the fucking bus for football games an hour away to Riverhead. And ugh, that was fucking bitch. And then last but not least, they say win a championship. You can build your strategies throughout the season, make the playoffs and go to your finals. But PlayVS is the company designed to help facilitate high school esports across the nation. And they're debuting it in Connecticut, Georgia, Kentucky, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, and they're expanding it. But, hey, you're going to have those three games. They give you means to take all those resources, provide them to the schools, and get this league started. It's fucking sweet. I'm super excited. That's a shit ton of money, to be honest. 30 mil? And if you start this basis now, we could have a real league. You could have a real sports team. Imagine uh, one of the things you could do in high school is, like, you can play sports, (laughs) but on the computer. um, What the fuck? I suppose. So uh, I just I I I don't see how playing esports in high school is beneficial because you know that if you're good enough, you could just jump out. You know, I don't know. I, I It'll don't know be fun. Mean. It'll it, it's a good it's a good interesting program, and I hope it introduces. Uh, you know. It, it, it further integrates more STEM education as a core foundation of education curriculums because that should be dated. And okay, it's a potential pro- step forward, as was the case in Nintendo Labo, which I did not be able to, I did not get to uh, repitch when we found out uh, that that was going to be integrated into ca- classrooms. I was out right. that week. That was a bit, uh, we was adventure, but um, you know, Gaming has integration with the outside world in a number of ways. Um, that's True. our next story. And that well, is Niantic uh, is partnering with the United Nations to promote tourism. And as someone so who has, cool. as of recent, gotten Adventure Sync in Pokemon Go, I sort of started increasing how much I play because one of the main issues was if you have like a buddy and you want to increase your candy for your Pokemon, you have to walk and having to always open the game data, etc., was annoying as fuck. And with the eggs as well, especially because such a large part of the game revolves around hatching those eggs. It just was not, it, it was a very limited experience. And so Apparently, it was only level 40 players were allowed to get it, but I don't know yeah, if they expanded I think, that. I guess they rolled that shit out to yeah. everybody because yeah. I got people who are like, yo, I'm level five. I got it too. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. And where, where, that, are these, where are these stats? Oh, man. Come on, PLG. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I enjoy it. But um, with that in mind, uh, they are going to be integrating uh, Pokemon Go and uh, the United Nations World Tourism uh, campaign. Uh, that they're launching uh, for a variety of different things. And so I guess they're going to be doing special events uh, around Pokestops in the uh, area. Uh, And it'll be around different cultural landmarks in the city as well. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, I think Niantic has really evolved and sort of grown as a company since it started. It's global now. It's It's a global beast. It it is a a smart company because they've only shown, you know, good, you know, good additions to you know some of the shit. Even if their their business model is still a little funky, but regardless, I have to trust them because they are going to be launching Harry Potter Wizards Unite, which is going oh, to be, God, a, be good. their please AR take on the Wizarding world. Um, I'm excited for that. You already know. PLG are proponents of that HP, but 
I like it. I'm just gonna give my two cents, and that is smart fucking moves, Niantic. You're making good moves, you're listening to your customer base, and you're showing an appreciation for culture in the world and using games to expose that and get people involved. So, good for you. All right. Uh, we're going to try to speed it up because in an effort to keep quick scope to 35 minutes, we've only got a few left. So I'm going to run through this pretty quick. want to give you an update on an article that we covered back in episode 38. That's where 38 comes in solo. And it is PUBG declaring the results of their fix PUBG campaign. I know you haven't heard about them in a while or we've just been shitting on them in lieu of Fortnite success. Yes, I'm sorry. However, um, if you don't remember, in episode 38, we covered how PUBG was, their developers were talking about how they weren't being transparent enough in their efforts to fix the game because they've just been getting complaints from all their users saying that the game was shitty, sloppy, laggy, whatever you want to you know, whatever you want to call it. So they broke down this effort and called it Fix PUBG. Five different categories called client performance, server performance, anti-cheat, matchmaking, and bugs, fixability, quality of life, life issues. Each of them had a roadmap. They had a whole website dedicated to all these bugs and gave you real-time updates of what they were doing, what they were working on. As a result, I just want to give you some highlights. The team has knocked out all 100 of the bugs they listed and the quality of life improvements on its docket during the three-month period that which it was running. They banned over 2 million accounts while working on anti-cheat improvements and improved how long it takes the game to load certain parts of the level while you're actually playing the game. So that was a big thing. If you ever jumped out of a plane on a console, you'll see that the ground never fucking renders until you're already in a building, which is insane. So they've streamlined a lot of those issues. And hey, they're showing progression. They're showing that they are listening to their fan bases. They are trying to improve the game. And I appreciate them being open and honest about it. So that's that's all I got to say about that. So and, do you like it? And, Fix my uh, I guess I, I still don't play PUBG. I don't really have much to add to that. It is still in existence. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's still floating. It hasn't even, it's slowly degrading, but at a slower rate than you'd expect with the success of Fortnite. It right? has, so a, there's still it has like a very a particular base. dedicated fan base. Yes. It's so, got a good subset of people that like the realism in it. Exactly. So uh, I got nothing for or against. I think it's going to only benefit them once they hit PlayStation. I think it's it's restricted how popular they could have been. And I think, as we said, with high res and paladins, that's been important. But anyway, I am going to jump on to our, you know, one hey, of our last stories. We got, you know, two, three left for you. One is Jump Force grows by adding on a couple of characters from one of my Jump personal Force. favorite animes, Rony Kenshin. Shout out, shout out Netflix for getting those oh, three yeah. seasons. There's a huge amount of characters in Jump Force uh, that I didn't even expect. They even brought in a couple of those Yu Yu Hakusho's uh, people. They got Yusuke and Kuwabara. That's pretty dope. I only expect to see that lineup expand. I probably buy the game. We are going to be covering that in a curious way. We will have more announcements for you about it at a further date. I'm going to kick it over to Lilo because we are lightning rounding this to We are the rapid end. firing. Uh, for anyone who's a fan of Valve's Steam Link, uh, just letting you know, Steam Link has officially, is officially no longer being produced, but you can buy it for $250. Ooh, that was so a Hadouken Steam moment. Store, buy that shit. Say what? That was a Hadouken moment. Oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know that thing you like? Talk life. It's been quietly discontinued. Get worked. And yep. that's all. Shout out to Steam for. Hey, it's been around for three that years. Under the sold rug. a shit ton, but they're on to the next thing. What about yeah. you? What's your next thing? Uh, and next up, we got Stardew Valley has crossed a million dollars in revenue. Uh, on mobile and that was over the course of about three weeks uh it's probably going to be the peak that they're going to make but that's because they don't have a uh microtransaction model it's a, a one-time purchase i uh you only have to spend eight dollars to buy it it sort of goes hand in hand with the sort of ethos of the game i'm sure they have to make a few additions to it to get it running but at the same time i think just by existing it'll keep growing and getting more users because that game is natural word of mouth spreading uh yep. i don't think you necessarily have to do anything different cool to see a game avoid 
that shitty business model. Shout out to that guy. I'm probably going to buy your game on Nintendo Switch just because, but after I get a memory card because I don't got fucking space. He's got no space and he's playing Warframe. Let's wrap this shit up. I know it's been going a little bit longer, but that's because we enjoyed rambling. Um, We're going to wrap this stuff up with news about Halo. Ice cream Lambo. There you go. (laughs) Ice cream Lambo. Okay. I'm down with that. Uh, Halo is something that is near and dear to both Solo and I's heart. And we wanted to give you some updates because we have kind of been shitting on them. We're waiting for Halo Infinite, I guess, whatever. But um, if you didn't know, this past weekend, Halo 5 Guardians, those players who played them and the legends who have played Halo in general came together for the Halo Championship Series and then 2018 Finals. Um, You know, they had the Finals. Great, great, great. But at the actual tournament, they announced that Halo Esports HCS Grassroots is going to come out for the public. And what do I mean by that? Well, Halo Esports, or rather HCS Grassroots, is designed to help the community directly. This new initiative will assist tournament operators and content creators to continue to do what they love to do, introducing all new opportunities for growth. So it's a partnership program where the tournament organizers of big and small tournaments, regardless of the size, along with the content creators can apply for support from 343. 343 will then offer facilitation and promotion of their esports events and they give you a whole bunch of shit. Long story short, it's an opportunity for Halo adventurers and people who love the game to uh, reach out to the actual people who made it for their support in debuting esports and getting Halo out there and hosting your own tournaments. And it goes hand in hand with what Amazon's doing, what Microsoft is doing, launching all these companies and initiatives to facilitate tournaments across the nation and that's fucking dope so i'm just pretty launch, excited just launch the goddamn next game in halo and no no uh, get no, this no. over with but get it right first get it right yeah, don't listen to hardly, solo hardly get, that shit get right. it done anywho we are now going to wrap up quick scope and uh Rumble and bumble our way into. Will that's right. Stand, man. I finally found a sound clip which might work, might not work, but this is the rant. Actually, a continuation of a prior rant that I made in July, and that was when we talked about how the rapper Two Millie was potentially trying to initiate a lawsuit against Epic Games, claiming that one of his dances, the Millie Rock, uh, uh, entitled him to royalties from the sales and now Donald Faison who you might know from Scrubs who I know from uh, a little person whose nickname might have been Brown Bear shout out shout out shout out hey. <laughs> and he is in it as well because one of his dances from the show Scrubs was incorporated into the game and he was well, talking about it in an interview with CBS and uh, apparently Epic Games had reached out to the creator of Scrubs and asked about the dance and the creator was like I guess it's just a dance but now I'm seeing and Don Faison's like yeah but seen differently there is going to be a court case that is within the next year going to determine what the case is and there might be a large except the president yeah exactly that that case is coming and you better you better hope epic games is smart enough to be able to pay this shit out before they end up getting hit with a a, a, a legal precedent that's not going to work in their favor but anyway just fucking pay the people epic you don't make enough fucking money that you can't pay two milli for a fucking dance you can't hit up donald Faison with a little percentage of royalties that's the thing though once hit they pay one time person they pay everyone else it's the same precedent that's happened in the nfl not paying Le'Veon bell not want to cede that responsibility or cede that control for the future all this shit just it all it all ties in together so why would you pay somebody if you don't have to yet unless you're forced oh, to oh student athletes shout out south park <laughs> still one of the best episodes of all time like that's it. all i got all right and let's roll on to are you doing it oh you got it my game spotlight hell yeah oh yeah, all right. oh, yeah. Uh, my uh lilo's game spotlight is what i'm trying to roll with now and actually it's gonna be a combo because solo was the one who uh brought it up and then he got our thinking caps on but this game spotlight this week is actually a game series spotlight and is actually final fantasy so final fantasy was created by square enix 
in Japan and was one of the top 10 greatest series and franchises of all time. Um, top 10 sold games of all time, at least the whole series, across the whole series. Anyway, a new mobile game just got released on iOS. And so can you help me out and give me the name of what what the Final uh, Fantasy game was that was released? Final Fantasy yeah. 3, right? Uh the one that we're playing it's final fantasy uh yeah. tactics wolves of the uh lines oh of the winner. yes yeah final fantasy tactics okay okay yeah so it just dropped in price it went down from 15 dollars to three dollars they got our thinking caps on and i wanted to cover some things regarding the final fantasy series just to give you some stats across ios android and mobile all the way back to 2002 war of the lions shout out to my mistake in titling the game uh, oh that's cool <laughs> They forgive you. Uh, there have been approximately 89 entries in the mobile genre for Final Fantasy across the board. And that is including Final Fantasy titles and Final Fantasy explicitly and mentioning Final Fantasy or using Final Fantasy characters. Now, that's fucking crazy if you think about it. Back in 2002, like cell phones were bricks. Like they were shitty as hell, but you still had games going out on mobile and it just goes to show Final Fantasy has been around there. It's staying, it's playing. Uh, a lot of these games, a big chunk of the 89 were only released in Japan. So, you know, North America did not see it. We talked about um, in all the games that we covered or really in uh, Console Wars, Sega versus America, there's always going to be different cultural preferences of games in one area versus another and trying to adapt those over. But of these 89 games, you know, all shit time have been coming out. Uh, just looking at um, some of the well-known titles that you're going to know are Final Fantasy VI. The full game is out on iOS, and you can buy that also on Android. Final Fantasy VII, full game is out on iOS and Android. And Final Fantasy IX. And these are full games. I mean, like, you can play the game front to back. The things that started started RPGs and, you know, transcended, tra- really transcend time and got people into RPG genre in general. You can play that full fucking game on iOS. Only problem here that Solo wanted me to check into, which I agree is can be a problem, is just the barrier for entry, the pricing. So a lot of these games that Square Enix is putting out for Final Fantasy are not free to play. A lot of them have like the full games, the full titles are 15 bucks, 15.99 or 20 bucks. So Final Fantasy 9 is $21 specifically. It's a huge jump, and for a fan of the series who's already bought a shit ton of the Final Fantasy games, I'm not trying to shell out another 21 bucks just to play them on mobile, but every now and then they do have sales, which is pretty interesting, and they drop that price down. Um, and they currently, the only game that I have from Final Fantasy on mobile is Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, and that is a free-to-play version, but it's card-based, and you're going to get cards, which get characters. It's a full game. You have a full story. You can go through it, but um, paying helps you win just like in any other uh, mobile game, I'd say. It does help you because it just gives you more unlocks and decreases the time you have to wait for things before you can proceed on with the game. Either way... I think, in general, if you are a fan of RPGs in the Final Fantasy series and you love the games as much as I do, talk to Square Enix, pray for Final Fantasy VIII to come out, because after Final Fantasy VIII, they're going to be working on Final Fantasy X on the mobile, and that is my favorite Final Fantasy. Uh, All in all, Solo, I know, picked up Final Fantasy Tactics, Wolves of whatever, for four bucks. And that's just one of the many sales coming up during the holiday season because that's typically when Square Enix is going to go and drop all the prices on the game. So if you are fantasiers like I am or if you want to get into it, you want to see what it's all about, all these have been adapted. They're relatively bug-free, played just like they did on the original PlayStation (laughs) because that's pretty much where all these fucking things came out. And uh, you should enjoy the titles. I don't know. So you got anything else? Uh, I really enjoyed Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Uh, for the Game Boy Advance SP and just sort of move forward. So uh, it was nice to play that game um, again. And uh, I would, uh, you know, enjoy replaying or re, you know, having an opportunity to re-experience that on the mobile. I haven't tried it yet. And so I'll have an update with how I think it is. So I'll hijack this segment and shit. But oh, yeah. um, I, uh, I'm I'm curious to see how it is. It, it, it's like a, it's a miniature sort of RTS within the frame of a 
RPG, if that makes sense. Yep, yep, so, yep, yep. Makes anyway, sense. Anyway, it'll be fun. I'll let you know. Might be shitty. Who knows? No. We roll out and we skirt, skirt, burp. Ice Cream Lambo into, you already know that sound cue, it's the final lap, and though the story might be slightly dated, we had to pick it up because we haven't get, gotten a chance to debate it yet, and that is, uh, what is Sony thinking with the PlayStation? And so, uh, if you are a fan of gaming, you have heard that PlayStation won't be at E3, and if you're not, you now know that Sony, which makes the PlayStation, will not be at E3, which is a gaming convention, which is relatively important. But anyway, we, uh, you know, Lilo and I discuss this a lot. I guess, you know, we don't have, there's not too much to add uh, to the debate, but we're going to give our opinions as to what we think uh, pulling out of E3 indicates and whether we think it is a positive or negative signal. So starting off with that, in mind, Lilo, is it positive or negative? Do you think that Sony has pulled out of E3? Uh, I mean, in terms of our personalities, I already know which way I'm going to lean compared to you. <laughs> so I'm going to say I think it's a positive because although they, to the majority at large, and this is this will probably fold into your point, it might seem like a bad move. It might seem like not a strong move for them. Uh, I think. We already know by the numbers they own the console market, 90 million to like 45 million. We know that Microsoft is taking a big a big chunk and putting a shit ton of money and like pushing forward. So they're, they're going to take over the next E3 for sure. That was like regardless. They did this this past E3. They dropped bombs saying that they were releasing all these games, and like acquiring all the studios. Great. Sony just couldn't compete with the firepower. I do think though that... Uh, Sony has big news for their future and they understand that so many people enjoy PlayStation that they can just re- reveal all that news at their own PlayStation event, which is what they end up doing at for E3 anyway. Like all the big all the big groups end up having their own presentation at their own location for E3, but they just show it live at E3 if that makes sense. You know, they're all off location. Most of them are off site, the big ones. So, I think Sony's trying to do that, take the cake and uh, trying to get their cake and eat it too. Though the first time in 24 years to not be somewhere is kind of big precedent. And I wonder how that conversation went down. Like, listen, guys, we just we just shouldn't do it. You know, that's kind of crazy. Um, I... I think it's positive. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to say where I was initially negative, where I thought that it was sort of an indication that Sony had sort of blown his load. In the over the course of the past year, with all with some of its best titles to date, and okay. we had talked about even during our conversation with uh, console wars about re- re- rejuvenating a console a console's uh, life cycle mm-hmm. with with certain games, and I thought this might be the case, especially with something like Red Dead coming out, Grand Theft Auto Five still really thriving, and you know that sort of made me think that maybe they were just sort of nervous. They didn't have much and they didn't want to take the flack of not having anything interesting to present because even Kingdom Hearts, everything is done. They don't really have anything up their sleeves. Uh, Sort of like Nintendo after this year. But then part of me started thinking that um, or I guess I had read potentially the rumor that uh, they were thinking of announcing the PlayStation 5 at PSX in 2019. Yeah, 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 yeah. It 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 sort of would show the comp. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. That would be a good reason to pull out of E3, which is to create a large conversation around what you're trying to do, and then surprise people with a trick up your sleeve, which is what is Sony thinking for the next generation. Every, Nintendo is not going anywhere from the Switch. The Switch is sort of what it's invested in. Anything else is going to be an upgraded iteration of the Switch. You know? Right, Switch 2.0. Switch 2.0. But they're married to the concept, at least for the near future. But Xbox and PlayStation have... Microsoft, everyone sort of knows which, what their angle is now. It's cloud. But Sony doesn't have it. So, again, that negative turned into they don't have anything to... They could potentially have something. So... Uh, 
it will be very negative if Sony ends up drawing a blank, shooting a blank, because this is a <laughs> it's sort of like it's a chess move, potentially. It is a because chess move, for sure. Microsoft has Steam, so I'm gonna say positive negative. But now I'm gonna expand. Now we're gonna switch the conversation as to why Sony would make a move like that, even after the year they've had. I think we've been covering over the past course, the course of the past couple of months. Uh, a couple of stories that about Microsoft that have been very positive in terms of acquisitions, moves. If you look at Black Friday sales, obviously Microsoft's having some of the best on games and controllers and consoles. They're just trying to get everyone into the Microsoft sphere because once they launch the cloud, they'll be able to keep them there. But regardless, um, they've been building a lot of steam and to see that I'm sure as much as Sony has been dominating the news cycle on the low, they know that Microsoft has a few things that they're going to be coming out with now because the Sony sort of heavy portion of dominance is now sort of like, all right, it's going to sit back for a little bit. In January, it's got Kingdom Hearts, but even Kingdom Hearts would have been better off as a Sony exclusive. I still don't know why they ended up giving it to Xbox, but, you know, Xbox is getting is gaining momentum. It's going to dominate the latter part. It's going to dominate 2019. And so I think that means Sony is going to see 2019 to Microsoft in the same way Microsoft see 2018 to Sony, where they're just like, all right, we got no major titles. Rock out. Nothing, no, no beef, no beef intended. Yeah, we got a couple of cross. Why don't we be friends? And then next year, Microsoft's going to be like, hey, Sony, fuck off. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right off in their Nimbus because they're riding land cloud. Hey, purple I like ice it. cream lamb. I like your story. But yeah, that's my, that's my idea uh, on it all. I don't know what Sony's thinking. I don't know what the move is. I'm excited uh, to see whether we can compliment them or make fun of See, them. See, I think one of the things that like we definitely need to reiterate is how much of an advantage Sony currently still has. And we talked about the numbers and we talked about the single-player games and a lot of the shows that we've done here have been talking up Sony and really talking down Microsoft. I totally agree that next year, it seems like Microsoft has positioned themselves as to be the big players, for sure. And this holiday season is a big part of that. It it really, like, honestly, reading console wars and seeing what Sega did to the gouge the market, to change the whole dynamic and change the field between Sega and Nintendo, I'm seeing very much parallels between Microsoft and Sony, where Sony definitely has the bigger market share right now. They have more consoles out around the world, 90 million compared to like a 45 million. And they just have more popularity, especially in Japan and Asia and that big, big ass market. But then, yeah, I think for them, it's a power move. You said it's a chess, chess move. Obviously that makes complete sense. And that is exactly what it is, but I don't think it's going to do anything to hurt them. They have to have something up their sleeves. There's always a way to spin news, and the same way that you know we had like Bethesda revealing fucking Skyrim five years in advance, that kind of thing. Sony will have a way to generate hype. They'll hopefully have updates on Final Fantasy VII, which is one of their next big titles. You know, they'll have the the couple samurai games that we're both super excited for. Um, I can see Kingdom Hearts 4 being announced. No, I'm just kidding. That'd be fucking crazy. That'd be fucking hilarious, though. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3 just comes out and Kingdom Hearts 4 is released or some shit like that. Um, they, they're going to have some stuff up their sleeves, and I'm, yeah, I'm genuinely excited <laughs> that to Toy see. Toy Story shit. <laughs> Honestly, maybe. You never know. All of a sudden, they're like, guess what? The Avengers game is just for us. And you're like, oh, shit. But the Avengers game is like every every superhero nerd's dream. Like, that's exactly what you want to play, and I'm so fucking pumped for that. I was hoping Kingdom Hearts is a backdoor prequel. Or a backdoor know, pilot, rather. Backdoor pilot to, uh, to the Avengers, Avengers game? game. Yeah. <laughs> Sora joins the Avengers, and he's uh, just he crazy. Oh, my funny. God. I don't know. I don't think it's a bad move. I think they do know what they're doing. I think their fans will follow them. And you and I are both going to tune in too. Like, I, you're more of a diehard Sony fan than I am at this moment. I never really was. 
back in the day it was, but I skipped three and I skipped most of four's life cycle. Uh, I think I did pretty much the same. But I'm just saying like in this situation, we're both going to tune into PSX because we want to know what they're doing, right? There's still that fucking intrigue. And if anything, they build the intrigue by saying we're not going to be at E3. And I think it's a good move. So that's all I got to say. Yeah. Don't got much to add to that. Uh, that's pretty much, uh, I guess that pretty much wraps that. I guess we'll see. We'll follow up. We'll see where Microsoft is coming at it too. That's about all we got for you, ladies and gentlemen. It was a relatively slow week in the news, so we had to sort of search around and pull something out. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I guess, I guess that's about it. Not much to add here. Um, yeah, we had. We hope you enjoyed you it as usual. As we said uh, at the top of the hour, but we shall now close at uh, the top of the hour. Get it? Because. It goes in a circle. Uh, the it's terrible fact that at people like games is a Twitter, at Lilo POG is Lilo, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, like Spotify, our backslash people at games. Holla at us. Mailbag episode next week in the season finale. And now, as tradition allows us, we will see us out. Thank you again for dealing with our ramblingness. We are excited to bring to you next week, probably mailbag episode, coupled with some of the highlights we had of the season and uh, our favorite parts, favorite topics, and maybe we can uh, follow up with some of that shit for you. So expect the unexpected with us because that's what we like to do. Look forward to seeing you next week. Adios.